Hey guys, and welcome to Box Office Bookshelf, the podcast where we read, watch, and review books and their on-screen adaptations. I'm Rachel, one of your co-hosts, co-hosts, a co-host. Go back. I have to do it again? Yeah. But it was so good up until then. It was. You did well. I wouldn't say, hey guys, sounds weird. Sup, baddies. Sounds like it's your, your Sup, YouTube bad show. Bitches. Hey guys, and welcome to my channel. It's that's me, how it, Rachel. That's how it's And uh, my boyfriend, Hunter. That's and we're doing another episode of Box Office Bookshelf. Now, before we get into any of the content, before you see what you like, I want you to like, comment, and subscribe, okay? You could just smash that like Give button. Give us a five star review here on this channel. And you know how it goes. What we're gonna say. Buy that merch. Slam that like button. If this video gets 100,000 likes... We're doing a giveaway. Everyone's going to Disney World. Anyway. Just do the info. Just this the is intro. Box Office Bookshelf, and what we do is read books, watch the movies, and then give you guys a review on it. I said you guys again, but there is someone listening. I'm convinced <laughs> of it. <laughs> Maybe there's not. I actually know that at least two people have listened to our podcast, so... Your mom and dad. <sighs> <laughs> Today we're talking about The Graduate. Sick um, burn. It was not a sick burn. It was very mean. And no, my parents haven't listened people, to it. <laughs> people parents. can't hear awkward adjustment in your seat. Yeah, but you, whatever. Can I do an intro? Sure. I'll put them both in the podcast. Welcome to the second episode of Box Office Bookshelf, the podcast where we read the book and discuss the film or television adaptation. This episode we're going to be doing The Graduate based on the novel by Charles Webb, and the film by Mike Nichols. My name's Hunter Scharf. I'm Rachel Waynes, and we're super excited to talk about this today, <laughs> because I have a lot of feelings about this book-slash-movie. So I, I actually saw the movie three, four years prior in an English class, no, a history class that I was taking in undergrad. The grander context of the class was that we were talking about the development of suburbs in the 60s and how that was representative of family values. And he thought that was why this story holds up, but he couldn't look past the line plastics. We spent like 30 minutes talking about it. Your professor couldn't look past the line plastics. No, he was super into the line plastics and the final scene, which upon reading and watching, I've learned are like the two most basic things to really enjoy about this story. My understanding of the story was very surface level. So I was kind of excited to read it and watch it again. Though I will say, I don't like it. You don't like the... I don't like the story. You don't like the story. No. My history of it is that I obviously watched the film. I've seen the film many times because as a student of film, you're instructed what is good and what is bad. They just tell you? Yeah, they just tell you. They're like, this movie won Best Picture in 1967. It's one of the best movies ever made. And if you don't like it, your opinion is wrong. Do you think it's actually it's one, one of, of the best films that was ever made or do you think it was just one of the first to be made like this and well no during so during the during the 1960s like the late 1960s is the cinema revolution it's like the new auteur season sure. like that's like one of the personally for me one of the greatest eras of cinema for everyone across the board it is because people who are it's you're done with the old fogey like formula of making movies there was a bunch of like new young blood in hollywood that's where right. you get like i mean you it's where you get your right. mike nichols and your spielbergs and your your there's just during that period of time the studios were going downhill and so everyone was like we got to get new 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 ideas blood in the new, water. right but that's what's ha i mean it's sort of what's happening now or what will happen soon 
a new revolution of film? In the next, like, five to ten years with the cinema world going downhill and... Do you mean to say that we're going to hit a stopping with, point of Marvel movies soon? With the ri- no, that, those, will, <laughs> those will always be popular. I just mean with the, with the rise of streaming and the fact that the big studio system is having a really tough time getting people to go to the theaters, uh, right. there are going to be opportunities for a bunch of young people to... Well, and especially with accessibility, right? We were kind of talking about this yesterday when we were talking about making movies on your phone. Even though it's not as accessible as you'd maybe want to believe, I think there are a lot of avenues now for creating content that is more available to people who aren't, like, the totally rich. Movies and TV are more accessible than ever. I saw The Graduate in film school because all my professors grew up in an era where they were being told that The Graduate was one of the best movies ever made. And then they, in turn, in my classes, told me that it was one of the best movies ever made. Is that true? Is that not true? That's subjective. I just mean, like, what makes a movie important? Like, this, the book came out in 1963. The movie comes out four years later. Or was pub- was written in 1963 and published in 1964. Yeah, and the movie comes out three years later. But that it it is evocative of like that period of time. Right, like, I agree with that. that it's, it's super. It's super like quote unquote speaks for a generation who are feeling alienated by their society, their parents, their way of life. Which ultimately, I do think is a theme that rings true generationally. I think the strongest part of the story which is ultimately about a young boy graduates from college, goes home to his, like, Beverly Hills parents who are and in, both the, and in the book, just in the book, it, it, to me, it, it reads, like, super waspy. Like, he's super waspy. I imagine him as, like, a lithe, blonde-haired boy. With well, that's eyes, how they... With like, Aryan. Right. And then in the movie, he's sort of, like, a more... Well, he's... Olive-skinned, dark-haired, ethnic... Jewish. ...young man, which doesn't, like, change the themes... No, it doesn't, I don't, but it, there's, was a huge, I know there's like, it was a huge talking point for Mike Nichols and the producer, Terman, Lawrence, um, Lawrence, Lawrence Terman, Terman, in part because it's big cinema in the 60s. They were like, who's this like hot, fresh, blonde hair, blue-eyed boy we're going right. to get? Right. And then someone actually suggested Dustin Hoffman, who at the time was... His 30s. A, yeah, old. Although he looks younger on screen. We've watched ah. We've watched a lot of movies. What was... um. The Birdcage, right. where Robin Williams' yeah. son is, like, 40, playing, right. like, a 20-year-old, and it looked so comical. Also directed by Mike Nichols, which... Was that also Mike Nichols? Mm-hmm. That was which an I accidental like, yeah. uh, And Lawrence Thurman produced is it Thurman Charles, Thurman? Charles Thurman? Webb's Other second novel, novel, The Marriage of a Young Stockbroker, which came out in 1969, or written in 1969 and well, came Thurman out in 1970. Is, <laughs> Thurman is the only person who really likes Charles Webb. Well, here, okay, let's let's get into that a little bit. I had, as opposed to our first episode where we did a book and a movie where I had never read any of the author's work mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen the movie because the movie was new. So I had seen The Graduate multiple times. I liked The Graduate a lot as a movie. Okay. I like I think in terms of editing, in terms of pacing and visual storytelling and acting. Right. It's it's very high class. I love it. It's great. But I did have an issue reading the book because I already was familiar with the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like come out the gate too hard with this, but Do like it. I felt like while there are things there there are conversations in the book that don't happen in the movie. Mm-hmm. Thematically, everything from the book is in the movie, conversationally, the elements are still there, just maybe a little bit different. I think it's a funnier I've, movie I, than it the, is book. I just feel like the book was so flat and so boring. 
boring. Yeah. I had no fun reading it <laughs> at all. I had no fun reading Zero it at all. fun. I respect that it's written in, like, dialogue fashion. Right. Very little, like, setting descriptive elements. Very little right. descriptions of the characters' expressions. It's just all dialogue, right. all action. The Meaning entire, not yes. action is, like, you know, car slipping over and cars. And it's very and, like, fast. Bit. It's like one thing happens, another thing happens. Yeah, but it's no so... No relationships are really fleshed but out. But it's so boring. I just found that, like, there is no... Yes. There are, is no element in the book The Graduate that is done better in the book or more, more worthwhile in the book than watching the film. There are so many unspoken elements with, like, uh, what's the main character's name? Benjamin and his father. Right. Conversation, long-winded conversations that happen about, like, I feel lost in my life. Like, my, my you know, right. what are you going to do with your life? Back right. and forth, back and forth. I, you're, well, I'm a status symbol for you guys. Like, I'm, I don't really have, like, a meaning for my life in general. All of the evocative emotions are spelled out in the actors expressions yes. and the way that they act when you, it's like the book doesn't have any of that so it's just flat events happening and I don't care emotionally about any of the characters involved. So this is where I'd like to interject and say that's exactly why yesterday I was having such a trip watching Dustin Hoffman embody Benjamin Braddock because watching his bumbling, sweaty personality go through hit the series of his events where I feel like he has such little agency and such little direction in his own life that it's so unbearable to watch him navigate. Watching it on screen is like... It's so much better, though. It's, it's better, so but it's also better. like more unnerving to watch and more frustrating frustrating to watch him as a character. But it feels yeah, but it feels it feels like real. The I agree scene with you. let's 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 just briefly do a little hash over the plot. I'll just say now, I think everyone should watch The Graduate. It's a great sure. classic movie. And I think it can be summed up in a sentence. Benjamin Braddock graduates from college and moves home with with his family and starts an affair with his parents' best friends. His father's partner. His father's partner's husband and then falls in love with their daughter and pursues a relationship yeah. with her. Right. And it gets all tangled and all messy. Right. And and the film doesn't often plays Benjamin Braddock and Bancroft plays Mrs. Robinson, and she's great in the movie. I uh, think she is perhaps the most sympathetic character in the entire story, mostly because Benjamin Braddock to me feels just kind of like a Holden Caulfield type of self-indulgent. Well, it's hard to feel. Kid. It's hard now in our modern world. I guess then too, but especially now as a young person, I can understand like the repugnance of like his parents' values and like what society wants from him. But he comes from incredible wealth, mm. and he is a prestigious college student who could basically do anything he wanted, and he doesn't do. Anything. Well, right. So he graduates, and you're to believe that he's like top. Of but his I understand class, he's been pushed. He's been pushed. That's the whole thing. Is that there's a lot of story in the story that isn't in the novel. Both doesn't matter. Oh, okay. There's so much story in the past. You get a lot of things like he's a track star. He is right. a he's like a scholar. He's the editor of his newspaper. He, he, he's a teaching assistant. Right. He's been getting he's he's literally he is awards. literally like he has he's been your not, boy. but he but that's not on his own accord. No. He. He has been pressured to do all of that his well, entire he, life. He says, I think, in the novel, and let me know if it's repeated in the movie because you have a better understanding of the movie than I do. He says to his dad at one point that he feels as if he's a status symbol for them. Right. His successes are just a representation of their status. And I think right. that's a fair thing, and I think it's something... The The most relatable part of the story happens at the very beginning, where he returns home and he's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I've just spent 21 years getting educated, becoming an intellectual, uh, a label that he really resents, and now he doesn't know what to do with his life. 
That, to me, is the most relatable part of this movie, but that is never explored in his character. Well, this this is the point I was trying to make about watching the film instead of reading the book. Everything, like, that, this is me just, like, uh, supporting my, my one of my chosen art forms over the sure. other. In the film, you can communicate his anxiety and his despondence and his claustrophobia filmically and visually mm-hmm. by his dad asking him to come downstairs because they're having they're throwing a party for yeah. his his, com- his coming home party. It's the very first scene. It starts the book. It starts the movie. But in the film, it's like two minutes long. Right. It's like two minutes long, and you have such a visual sense. All these like really well made up, well dressed older right. people like trying to talk to him. Yeah. And I know I've been in situations like that myself. The the visual elements of the film just tell you that implicitly. You can see how everyone's behaving. You feel his claustrophobia and the oppressiveness of the party. Or every time he turns to leave a door, another person pops up and it's like, oh, Ben, really really glad to see you here. Really swell job you've been doing. You're real sport out there. Real sport. In the book, it's like, 20 pages. That's a whole chapter. I know, but... It, the, a whole chapter of being like, right, I want to go over like, block mom. I'm going to go over here. No, come and talk to this person. I want to go over here. No, you have to go... You have to... But I want to talk about blah, 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 blah. Like, I, that, it's just one of those things where it speaks to how visual elements are much better than written elements sometimes. Like, a bunch of fancy old people wanting to talk to you Sucks is communicated so <laughs> much better in film than it is in the book where it's like, here's right. this person's name. They want to talk to you. Go over here. This person wants to talk to you. Right. I think this is a good time to interject something I found today that made me feel extremely vindicated because... So I, I didn't love the book, and I like I like the film for what it is. I think visually it's pretty stunning, but I think the story, like I said, leaves a lot to be desired. The producer, Lawrence Thurman, was or the first... Thurman. Who knows? He was the only one to believe in this project. He optioned the book for $1,000 using his own money. He was... I think teaching at the time, and he was like, "This is something I tell all my students not to do." But they I did. did it they anyway. did eventually pay Charles Webb twenty thousand dollars for the rights. Well, le- let me continue. It ended up being a wild success, right? But at first, he was the only one to believe in it. He read this. He read the book by Charles Webb and was like, "It's fantastic. I want it." Bought the option for it against no other bidders, and then tried to get different people on board and found Mike Nichols who at the time was doing Broadway shows, right? He had, direct, he had, he had directed Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf yes. by that point. Um, so he sent Mike Nichols the book, and he asked him what he thought of it after he read it, and he said, and this is a direct quote, um, this is the biggest piece of shit I've ever read. And that was kind of the response from everyone who sat down and read it. Um, the screenwriter who was brought on, he didn't like it either, and... They ended up having to bring on someone else named Buck Henry, who was doing Get Smart at the time. Uh, Buck the Henry's the name show. I remember, not yeah. the other one. There's another guy. They brought. They essentially brought Buck Henry on to make it a funnier script. I said this earlier. I think the script is way funnier than the book. And he added in lines like plastics, which is, but as is we it, know... The thing is, I don't think it's funnier. I think it just is better seeing it performed than as written. I think it's so much funnier. Like, think of when he goes into uh, the Taft Hotel, and he's like, no, oh, are you here not for with an a, affair? Not with Elaine, but watch the first... First time, the first time when he meets the scene where again, Mrs. Robinson. If anyone is listening to this, just okay, go watch. Just go watch the Graduate. Just go watch the Graduate. Then come back. That's all I have to say. I'm not going to say you have to read it. Just go watch the Graduate. But I think it's important to note because we've said earlier so much of the dialogue in the movie, so much of the script comes directly from the book. But the stuff that's good, it's huge. Chunks but the stuff that that's out. good, the stuff that's good in the book is in the movie. I will say, while it's almost a direct adaptation, there is maybe it's in the very ve- beginning of the very. Direct. I would Minus say the whole direct. part where he goes on that trip to Northern California and puts out a forest he fire. He goes on a road trip and, and sleeps with a bunch of prostitutes and eats get, some farmers, is, is gets drunk in fields. He 
goes for like what? That is that a is week? right. Two? That's rightfully cut out of the book. That's rightfully cut out of the book. I it makes it, it to me. It makes him super unsympathetic. Yeah, but he is I unsympathetic. Do, no, I know, but it's so much easier to stomach that over a two-hour period than it is reading uh, even a short novel. Okay, well then here's a question. Why cut all of that me, out, but add in all of the stalking parts where he's chasing Elaine down on a bus? But that is in the novel. He doesn't chase her down on the bus. He bumps into her on a street corner after he but like he stalks her purpose, from... Okay, though. yeah, so he, he is a little He plans to meet her. He is a little He plans to see okay. her. I just think the book... My <laughs> issue is that he... The, the character... I understand the themes of aimlessness and not wanting to go down the path that your parents have and not wanting to have the sure. life that they have. But he has no direction uh, personally. No, he has no career like objectives he has no creative objectives right. or personal objectives like that's why he has the affair with Miss Robinson which I will say is fantastically played on screen the whole element well, because of, she's a wonderful she actress. takes she takes him she takes him home and then like she's doing all this thing all these things to seduce him but then won't kind of gets him to Initiate the encounter. Well, that whole scene, the back and forth where it's they're great. in their, their whole, like, all of their room, all right? of their interactions are fantastic. Right. The su- the scene in the sunroom where he's like, "You're trying to seduce me," and she's like, "Oh, am I? I didn't even realize that I was." And then he's like, "Oh, it's the worst thing I've ever said. It's so bad. I can't believe I just said that to you." And then she gets him up to the bedroom, and she's like, unless you want me to seduce you, I could do that right. if you wanted. But she, that, and is then all she, of a but sudden, that is what she wanted from the get-go. But that is what she wanted, but she's a very smart and clever woman. Right. And that should be respected for what it is. But that's sort of a theme that... It's also how she that's, tricks him into having sex with that's her. That's a theme that sort of gets dropped from the book, or not from the book, from the from the movie. Mrs. Robinson's character uh, is sort of a sad tableau of, of life. Well... Like, I went to college, like, I clearly had interests, I wanted to be an artist. And then I got pregnant. And then I got married. pregnant, yeah. and then I married a man who because got me pregnant for, for all the, for money and security, and now she's sort of, like, wasting away. Right. And for someone who's so... She does have, there is a great, okay, that is one thing that's in the book that's not in the film, which is a conversation, and it's rightfully cut, because, again, I think the movie is impeccably paced, I think it's shot incredibly well and there are some edited sequences do you have anything bad to say about it which rival no there's stuff that I don't like okay because the the, but this is my the the problems I have with the movie are the problems I have with the book I have problems with narratively with the story I don't have a problem I'm talking about the filmic elements sounds one you have one of the best soundtracks of the movie of all time because it's music created exclusively for the movie by Simon and Garfunkel that was something I actually didn't know I'm glad you shared it with me all all of the music is fantastic um, they didn't reuse too many songs. But it, I assume that was maybe a budget they use, thing? Well, because you're getting... You're getting you're custom getting, songs. You're getting Paul Simon and right. Art Garfunkel to make music for I'd you. I'd have to guess that costs a pretty penny. You've got Sound of Silence that plays like two times. Right. Uh, Obviously. Sage Rosemary, Scarborough Fair Which plays one is like one that three goes, times. Which one's that? Mrs. Robinson. Is that the real song Mrs. plays Robinson? once, then there's like a theme of that song that plays another time. I'm just saying it reuses a lot of music which I understand thematically, but right. I do think it's a budget thing. Well, here's what I want to say regarding the way they treat women in the story. It's not great. Not great. They're all hysterical. Uh, I don't think Ms. Robin's hysterical. She accuses him of raping her. That, but like, that's that's malicious. That's not hysterical. She's totally in control yeah. of the situation. That's what makes it such a great interaction when he... Is, goes to find Elaine. He's drunkenly calling her. No, when they when he starts the affair, oh. he calls her. He doesn't He doesn't know how to... He's fumbling through every motion, trying to get waiters to give them drinks, bumping into the table. Oh, God, that scene is so awful. Having awkward interactions with the, the maitre like d' of the bar or whatever. Waiter just walks by, and he's like, oh, sorry, you didn't see me. And she just goes, waiter, 
Well, because he's a boy. Martini. He is a boy. He's a young, he's a, young he's boy, a boy who's very sweaty all the what time. What I don't understand is, it's okay, it's less creepy on screen because Dustin Hoffman is closer in age to Anne Bancroft than he is to Catherine Ross, who, who plays Elaine. Who's 24. Right. And you said Dustin Hoffman was 40? 40? Did you say 30? Yeah. Oh. I thought I was thinking God. 40 this whole time, and I was like... 30 is the new 40. He looks we're aging, for a 40 We're aging quicker than ever, smoking cigarettes and drinking scotch every day. But how do you think they stay so young? It's like mad uh, men. Those men don't age a day. Here's... here's I guess what I'm getting at. Also, I mean, you have other... Yeah, man, we should talk about the other people in the, in the castle. Just a little bit. All right, who do you want to talk Just about? Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton's who? great. Mr. Robinson. Oh, he's a good man. He has my favorite you line. You are a degenerate! <laughs> there's a scene where he... Uh, I mean, once again, watch the movie, but there's a scene where he goes to confront Ben post all the drama and pre the final... Like denouement. He handles himself pretty well. He handles himself very well. He's a lawyer. He's very, pers- like, very composed. Unclench your fist. Until all of a sudden he's like walking out of Ben's hotel room, not hotel room, apartment, and he leaps over the bed, bounds out of the room, and just turns and goes, You, sir, are degenerate! I mean, it's the, very emotional. The, a young man slept with your wife. And now he's And now he's trying to get your daughter. May I talk for a moment about the lack of sex appeal and or chemistry between Ben and Elaine. Ben and Elaine or Ben and Mr. Rob... Mr. Mr. Rob... Ben and Mr. Robinson. <laughs> oh, well, that reminds me. Twist! In, in one of the original screenplay, uh, one of, like, the first drafts of the screenplay, there was some homoerotic relationships that were ultimately cut. Well, there's something about when he does the road trip, something about... Some ambiguous thing about queers. I don't know what Yeah, that's about. I think that's probably where it was. It's not like, necessary, There are queers though, everywhere. Have you ever met an... It just yeah. complicates everything. Anyway, I, I meant specifically... Simple. I meant specifically between Ben and Elaine. Right. Their entire relationship is him taking Ross. her to a strip club, apologizing for it and eating a burger with her, deciding that he loves her, her finding out about the affair, and then him being like, we're getting married. Right. That's their relationship. Right. And the last half of the book is him being like, let's get married. Let's just do it. I don't have any purpose in life. Maybe I'll go to Canada. Um, right. I don't want to go to Canada. What if we just got married instead? I'm going to stalk you around your campus right. until you eventually decide that maybe you'll marry me and your parents take you away and get you to marry some other dude. But see, this is my problem with the story. They have no Book and film, there is no reason for them to get married. There's no reason there for them... There is no functional reason. They they really don't... There's no emotional tie between those characters. Right, right. Which it, but this is... This and is I the, can't respect Elaine this, as a woman... But this is the Or thing. as a person, or as a, uh, <laughs> a being... For putting up with his shit, but 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 filmically it creates, <laughs> filmically it creates it creates one of the best shots of all time. And I'm about to spoil the end of the Graduate, so spoiler alerts. Wait ten seconds because I'm about to say the end shot of the movie. In the end of the in the end of the movie, Benjamin Braddock takes Elaine away from the wedding. Her wedding. She's, she's been. To she's married. already been married. In the movie, she. In the book, they're not married yet. Right, though. but in the and in the in the film. In the film, she just film, got married. She, you see she them. Just, he bursts in the chapel. They just consummate she's with that She's making out with her new husband. That's not consummation. The consummation you don't kiss is before, the. You don't, yeah, but you don't kiss before. Special alone time. I mean, time. but the but in the wedding yeah. ceremony after you say right. you're now making you've then you been kiss out, and kiss then it's the official bride or the partner or the civil the union weddings are kind of a hoax right but legally they would be considered married you don't you you're already legally That's, married you're already legally married before you're getting married it actually married in the takes church. a few days for them to get that marriage license so like legally they probably aren't married under the eyes of god that union has been forged okay. and blessed. So I'm about to... And the, okay, fine. Say the end of the movie. I'm about to say the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. We have seen hundreds. I'm going to say hundreds. 
it's a it's a large hundreds? estimate. Hundreds, hundreds of movies, hundreds of movies. Okay, where probably there's the the person interrupts the wedding and runs off with mm-hmm. one of the other, the the guy or the gal or mm-hmm. one of the two, whatever. Mm-hmm. The wedding planner. All them, all those movies where it's like, don't you, you can't marry him. Mm. I whatever. I they like they, inter- they interrupt the wedding. They interrupt the wedding and then they run off. It's the end of the graduate. Yeah. But but in the end of the graduate, they run on. It's it's they're elated. They get onto the bus. You attack them with the cross. But then at the, the very last, like five to six seconds of the movie, it's like thirty seconds they hold you, up their faces. Right, but. They're happy and they're laughing, and then you see this great disillusioned cloud like wisp away from them, and they like all of a sudden kind of realize again silently, we just got on this bus and did what we just did, and there is no plan. You see it in their eyes, you see their facial expressions just completely sort of like go vacant. And oh, like, dis- you like, see that hard dose of reality set in where they're like, what the fuck did we just that's do? The, but that's the real... Because That's what would really happen. That's what would really happen. And that you I, don't run off down the field, <laughs> oh my god, we're in love, and then the credits roll and the music swells. Right, because you know what happens? They have to, they have to then return to their lives, which still exist, wherein their, fa- their fathers, who were once partners-in-law, have terminated their legal, like, their partnership, their business. Uh, Elaine's parents are getting divorced. Ben's parents are like, you need to start going to therapy because you're clearly insane. Their lives are a mess. And these are also children who don't have jobs. Elaine's still in school being paid for by her parents. Um, Ben, who this whole book is like, I don't have a job, I don't know what I want to do. So they're both entirely aimless and are doing the one thing that their parents have been like, we forbid it. That's what, but that's why I would say the ending of the movie is not happy. No, it's not a happy ending. It's a very unhappy ending. Right. It's actually like like kind of a bummer. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah. Kind of, that's, it's not a feel-good film. Is that the clinical film? term? Is it, I think if I were in a doctor's office, you're having a bummer day. I think it's kind of a bummer. It's kind of a shame. My, my, I guess my issue with it is is that I couldn't recommend anyone the book. On, I would like, never I would just say, hey, man, you want to see one of the, like, Best edited movies of that period. Watch this. Watch this film. I'm not saying like th- like basically not for character, just for right. like the visual storytelling alone. That's why I would recommend the movie. I. It's a really simple yeah. story told really well via the magic of film. I can't say, oh man, you definitely got to read this book. Right. Like, here's what I'm gonna say. Charles Webb, not a successful novelist. No. He wrote this book. He sold it. It became a a, a you know huge film success. Then he wrote another book which became a decently successful movie. But he wrote a sequel to The Graduate. He wrote a sequel to The Graduate... I think I knew that. ...that wouldn't be... He did not want to publish, because in the agreement to make The Graduate into a movie, he agreed that the sequel, any written sequel to The Graduate, the film rights would be owned by Canal Plus, which is now Studio Canal. So he didn't want to publish it. But by 2007, him and his wife were in, like, big financial... Like, dire straits. ...struggle, because, again, not a successful writer. Sold Homeschool, which is the sequel to The Graduate, in 2007, and it was published. I don't believe it's made into, been made into a movie. I hope not. Um, I guess my thing is, I can respect the film for what it was, but I still don't love it. It is a really simple story, and I feel like you have to be willing to kind of suspend 
your desire for something more satisfying, more in-depth. You have to be watching it, I think, artistically in, in, in the way that I'm taking it in. I don't love the story because I, I don't like the character. Like, I think Ben sucks. Right. I think he's just, like, a waste of a human. Whoa. Um, strong language. It is kind of strong language. I wouldn't say waste of a human. He's a waste of a human. He's a waste of a human. boring. What a boring (laughs) man to be like, I have so much on my mind, but never feel the desire to expand on that. Someone who's so intelligent, but doesn't want to talk about anything that he learned. The only thing he seems really interested in doing is, um, and I'll borrow from the script in the book, loafing around and doing absolutely nothing and then just kind of causing havoc. It's, It's also a story, I think, that if you're watching it for the first time in 2019, you're going to have a hard time being like, you know what I really want? A story that's kind of um, small in terms of diversity, representation of women, and about, you know, another privileged white dude. And I don't want to be that person who's like, I won't watch this film because it's about a white man and as a woman. But this is what I'm saying of that era. But that's why you gotta watch it in a box. You, you gotta to watch, watch it, it in a box and be like, I'm watching a bo- I'm watching a movie what... that was made in a time when Hollywood was whitewashed and when stories were whitewashed and when most stories were about dudes. That doesn't make it a bad film. It doesn't make it a that bad film, but I, bad I film. did preface by saying it's gonna be harder to watch it for the first time in 2019, where you are grown ac- you're grown accustomed to more diverse storytelling. Right. And more exciting films, because while it was huge in 19. 67, to see some of those visuals, they're a little boring now. I don't know about boring. There's some beautiful visuals. There are some beautiful visuals, but there are also some scenes. We're talking (laughs) cutting on the edge of a dime cuts where you're like, this is so, it's done so well filmically. I just can't, I can't say that it's not worth watching. I think. If you like, if you're intrigued by the art of visual storytelling, I think it's a great film. If you're coming strictly for narrative, I think they're better things to watch. But we're arguing different points. I just, I wanted to say it though because I can't wholeheartedly recommend The Graduate without saying it has a multitude of faults. You mean the story or the the film? The story. Because I think the story has faults. The story has faults. I don't think filmically the film has faults. It's shot beautifully. The directing is fantastic. I also quite like the script. But I don't like the book. But I don't really like the characters. But I'll say it's well adapted. Will you? Yeah. I don't know how you can like a, dislike a book and then like the movie that is directly from it, unless the only because thing you like the, about the movie is the, the way it's filmed. Because the, but that's the adapting. But that's the thing. That's, that's the, the thing. adapting. Uh, that is the adapting uh, process. That's the adaptation. Took a story that I didn't like, and made it written in a way that like. I didn't really find interesting, but did it in a way <laughs> that I'm like, wow, that's really well told. That that's story what I, I like. don't like. And that's what an ad- adaptation is. So for you, this is a great adaptation. It's a great adaptation. I don't like the book and I don't like the story. But you like the movie. But I like the movie. That's like, it's right. like, it's right. a beautiful adaptation. Okay. The, adapta- the adapting of it is so, is so excellent. I think that's done. a really concise way to judge whether something is a good ad- right. adaptation. And I think I have made a great point. And I think I've won the episode. I think I'm, what? And I this think isn't a battle. I, well, <laughs> it's so many words. If I knew this was a competition, I would have spent several more hours preparing. Ah, I think, I, I just think that, you know, I'll why accept, don't I'll we let my our audience now? decide? Fine. If my mom and dad ever choose to listen to this, mom and dad, you can let me know next time I come home. Do you think Hunter's correct or do you think I'm correct? And if you choose Hunter, my feelings will be hurt because you're supposed to be my parents. Do you want to call it there? 
Yeah, I think we should. Um, but before we go, I do. Gonna get sued for copyright. I, th- I don't think you get sued for copyright if you sing it. Music licensing. Um, before we do sign off, I do want to say that you guys can reach us if you want to email us questions at boxofficebookshelf at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at boxofficebookshelf. Let us know if you want us to read something, watch something, ask us questions about the episode. We'll respond, probably. We post on there all the time. We don't, but I we're going to get better about it. 